Good evening. Thanks for joining us. Chris and Sophie are off tonight. And we begin with that breaking news. The B.C. Supreme Court dropping a bombshell this afternoon, staying charges against notorious gangster Jamie Bacon. This in connection with the so-called Surrey Six slayings. Paul Johnson is in the newsroom with the details on how this happened and reaction. Paul. Jay, this is complicated and it's going to be infuriating to a lot of people. But the bottom line is this. The most serious charges against gangster Jamie Bacon for that massacre have been stayed by a judge, and the reasons for that are being kept secret. The Surrey Six shootings happened in October 2007. It was one of the worst mass murders in B.C. history. Two men were convicted and are serving life sentences, but Jamie Bacon, who was the leader of the Red Scorpions gang at the time and was accused of being the mastermind, was supposed to go on trial next March. Now, a lot of the reasons have been sealed and we may never know what happened, but the case against Bacon apparently fell apart because of issues about things like confidential informants and lawyer-client privileges. Those problems delayed this trial for the better part of a decade, resulting in this stunning announcement today that is devastating to the families of the victims. My entire world felt like it was crumbling right in front of me all over again. I had so much faith in this justice system and in the court system that it would protect innocent families like mine where my child's life was taken at the doorstep of my home where he's supposed to be safe and secure. It's with tremendous disappointment that I'm speaking to you all today. The families of the victims and all who have been impacted by this terrible crime deserve peace and they will not find it today. Paul, as you mentioned, there were some lengthy delays at this trial. Could that have been anything to do with it? Jay, that's obviously been one of the top theories here. At one point, Bacon's lawyers even tried to get the case thrown out because of those delays, though some observers today have told us they don't think that's what happened. Now, victims' families do have one last hope here. There is the possibility of an appeal, and Attorney General David Eby said prosecutors will explore whether that's something they can do here. Bacon remains in custody, though, on other charges. Jay? All right. Thank you, Paul. Paul Johnson reporting for us tonight. You bet. And breaking details tonight from police about a high-risk sex offender. 53-year-old Dawson Davidson has been released from custody and is residing in a Vancouver halfway house. He has been deemed a risk to the safety of women. Davidson is white, 5'8", approximately 180 pounds, with long brown hair and hazel eyes. He must follow court-imposed conditions, including not to be alone with any women, avoid the downtown east side, no weapons, and no alcohol. Anyone who sees him in violation of these conditions is asked to call 911 immediately. An investigation is underway after a little girl lost her life this morning. The nine-year-old was struck and killed in an Abbotsford crosswalk. Our Nadia Stewart is at that location tonight and Nadia I understand usually there is a crossing guard but today there wasn't. Yeah, that's right, And These crossing guards are typically provided by Abbotsford Community Services, but the district says this morning one was not on duty at the intersection. A tragic start to the school day. Around 8.30 this morning, a nine-year-old girl is en route to classes when the unthinkable happens. There was a gentleman that was hysterically kind of crying, and the fireman had the, his 
blankets out on the crosswalk, right before the crosswalk, actually. According to parents, the intersection of South Fraser Way and Hill Toot is a busy one, and it seems there have been concerns. That crosswalk is a nightmare. It's, kids cross the street all the time. They're trying to get to the school, and it's, it's scary. Oh, it's so busy. People drive down it so fast, and they just fly down the road. Really sad to see. It's scary because there's so many little kids that cross here all the time. Usually there is a crossing guard at this intersection, but the Abbotsford School District says one wasn't on duty this morning. It's not clear why. The crossing guards are there as part of an agreement with the Abbotsford Community Services, a non-profit organization. We contacted them, but haven't heard back. It's one thing to read about something, it's another to see it. Abbotsford Mayor says this has been a difficult year for the community. Police say the family is devastated. This is a devastating loss for our community. I can't even imagine what the family would be going through. There's so much loss when you lose a child, so I'm going to say that the family is probably in one of their darkest moments. Grief counselors have been called in to 10 Brock Elementary School. The girl was a student there. Meanwhile, an investigation is now underway. The BC Transit driver who was behind the wheel of the bus that struck the girl is cooperating. Uh, now, this intersection, the city tells me, is not on their list of dangerous spots in Abbotsford, even though at around 5 o'clock while we were here, we did witness a, a two-car collision. As for the school district, they say they are investigating where the breakdown was with community services, why there was no crossing guard here this morning. Back to you, Anne. All right, thanks for that, Nadia. Nadia Stewart reporting tonight in Abbotsford. Outrage tonight from a mission business owner who says he managed to capture two would-be thieves only to be told by RCMP to let them go. Ramina Day explains what happened and why RCMP didn't come to help. She walked in and she liked looking on the price tag. And Keegan Moses' gut instinct told him something wasn't right with two customers who entered his computer store in Mission on Tuesday. She's like, yeah, I want this one and I want this one too. I'm like, okay... The total, over $1,000 for a laptop and other merchandise. But when it came time to pay, the transaction didn't go through. Moses suspicious the card was stolen because when he asked for it, the customer wouldn't hand over the pin pad. So I looked this one from the inside, but I didn't take this one off. And then I looked this one here. After Moses locked the door, he called 911. Several minutes go by, still no police. Meanwhile, the female suspect slips her wallet through the security gate to a man waiting outside. 30 minutes pass, still no RCMP. Finally, the dispatcher calls back and tells Moses to let the couple go. Like, like release them, that's it. But why did they say to release them? For my safety, and then they were saying, like, we are not allowed to leave them locked inside the store. Basically, if anyone comes to you, steal something from you, you are not allowed to lock them. And I heard, like... But where were the police? I don't know. They were busy. The only person who immediately responded to Moses' call for help was the owner of the candy store next door. I sit on the board for the Downtown Business Association. We're working hard to clean up down here. Um, and for them to tell us to turn these people away was really frustrating. It just pissed me off. I don't know what to say. Like, if, imagine you are in this kind of situation. You put your life in risk. Mission RCMP say they have to prioritize files. Public safety comes first. Romina Dea, Global News. 
The annual counterattack campaign kicks off tonight for the holiday season, this year marking a major milestone. This is the 40th year of the campaign. It began back in 1977. At that time, there were more than 300 fatalities a year. Now there are about 65 alcohol-related fatalities annually on our roads. But the problem remains a major concern and a serious factor in many collisions. So this is a reminder. This is your warning whichever you particularly need. Either way, plan for a safe ride home before you start drinking. Make that plan early so that by the time you've had a glass of wine or a glass of beer, you're not making your plan when it's too late. Police are stepping up impaired driving enforcement starting tonight. Well, with the lack of ride sharing in this province and the difficulty of getting a taxi at this time of year, there are renewed calls tonight for longer SkyTrain hours. And while officials with SkyTrain say it's feasible, Jill Bennett explains why it's not likely to happen anytime soon. The 11-kilometer Evergreen Line extension has now been running for one year, proving the adage, if you build it, they will come. On September and October, Weekend ridership is up 50%. But ask people in the Tri-Cities who use the line on weekends and they will tell you there's a major flaw. It's really hard to catch the last train when, you know, the clubs close at like 2 or 3, the last train is done at like 1, 1 1.30, it's really hard. Extending SkyTrain hours is also something Port Moody's mayor has been calling for, saying residents are often stranded just trying to get home late at night. We get in a cab, we get thrown out at the Burnaby border, and we're told that we got to walk the rest of the way home. And we get on a SkyTrain, and it just stops running because because it, it's you know the night's over, and we're not here yet. There are transit systems that run around the clock, such as New York, but TransLink's CEO says SkyTrain wasn't designed for 24-hour use, and the downtime on Fridays and Saturdays alone allows for up to 500 hours of maintenance work a year. If we can find a way to find the right balance point between serving uh, customers in the later night, particularly on the weekends, while still maintaining the system in a state of good repair and providing productive maintenance windows for our maintenance crews, we have a commitment to do that. So no timeline for when there might be late night weekend service, but a commitment to look at it, likely on the newer system additions rather than the 31-year-old Expo line. I'm hopeful that we'll be able to find a way to get the, the Evergreen line and the, uh, and the uh, Millennium line running later at night to try to serve a part of the Metro Vancouver that it's really hard to get to at 3 in the morning. But as the busy holiday season gets underway, those depending on SkyTrain to get home will have to continue leaving the party a little early and hope maybe things will change next year. Jill Bennett, Global News. Well, it's a good night to stay bundled up indoors. The rain pounding down at times today, a continuation of an almost record-setting rainy November. But in true South Coast fashion, Aaron MacArthur explains how we're turning lemons into lemonades. Last month, we had it all. Torrential rain. Rain you barely needed a jacket for. Windy rain. Even rain that pooled on the roads. It's been a... Oh, very gloomy through November. 22 in a row with rain each of those 22 days to round out the month. One of the longest rainy streaks in November history. And people have had enough. Sick of the rain yet? Well, obviously. I need to get my sunlight and this is, yeah, a little dreary for me. I think about Mexico every day. (laughs) The only people happy about the rain? A new company based out at UBC, Umbra City. Think of them as a bike share, but for brawlies. 6,000 UBC students have signed on so far, and the startup is moving downtown. We're trying to take the hassle out of 
you know, carry an umbrella or if you forgot an umbrella, then you can just borrow an umbrella easily and return it when you're done. The rain has made a mess of the roads. The city of Vancouver has launched a new program. Residents are being urged to adopt catch basins. So far, 1,100 people have volunteered to help keep the water flowing. Some of them have even been named. We get stuff like uh, leave me alone or, or a play on the word great, uh, great expectation. It's a great way to give back to the community at the same time. It's also uh, to help prevent flooding, localized flooding that could affect you in your house. You can vote for your favorite catchy catch basin name on the city's website. That is, assuming your phone is dry enough to use. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. Well, some North Vancouver residents are blasting BC parks for what they call a callous and unbelievable decision. They're cutting down a swath of trees, and as Ted Chernecki tells us, they're especially outraged at why the trees have been removed. For some residents, the name Seymour has never meant more. See more traffic, see more headlights, see more strangers staring into your once private abode. We woke up to the sound of chainsaws uh, Monday morning and uh, trees were being cut down. Because the Seymour ski operation was so busy last year, this piece of crown land was used as a temporary overflow parking area. Now it's about to get larger and permanent, and it comes as a complete surprise to those most impacted. Couldn't we have some discussion before this went on? Once the trees are down, they're down. In a statement, BC's Environment Ministry said a BC Park senior ranger went door-to-door to to residents whose property backs on to mile zero to advise of the project. Nobody came to the door, there was no letter, there was nothing. In fact, to find out what was happening here, I walked over uh, and talked to one of the people who was cutting down trees. There were cars parked all the way down on the side of the road and along... We covered last year's mayhem where all the parking lots up top were full, hundreds of vehicles parked along Mount Seymour Road, and further down, people were leaving their cars all day in a shopping mall parking lot and taking the shuttle up. Then there's the issue of tax dollars subsidizing private enterprise. We had a beautiful green belt, BC Parkland, and it's being decimated so that uh, Mount Seymour Resorts uh, can have more parking. We've lost, lost the buffer of the trees. Uh, the sound of the vehicles is, you know, it, like doubled. Uh, it, it's, to us, it's, uh, it's, it's an environmental disaster. It's the zero consultation that bothers these residents the most. BC Parks is planning a meeting next week, but it's more than a little late. Ted Trenecki, Global News. The battle over a controversial modular housing project in Vancouver's Marpole neighborhood is going to court. The city and B.C. Housing are asking for an injunction against protesters who've been blocking access to the construction site. The city wants to build three two-story buildings that will include 78 homes for the homeless. Protesters worry about the development's proximity to schools. The city says while it respects the residents' right to protest, the temporary modular housing is urgently needed to address homelessness. The sinking of a tugboat near Bella Bella in the fall of last year was caused by a crew member falling asleep on the bridge. That's the conclusion of a National Transportation Safety Board report into the environmental disaster. The Nathan E. Stewart was pushing a giant oil barge when it struck some rocks and sank. The barge was empty, but the tug spilled about 113,000 litres of diesel fuel and engine lubricants into the ocean. The end. TSB report says the tug's second mate admits to falling asleep while on watch. It also blames poor implementation of the tug company's safety management system. 
Anyone who's looking forward to the day when B.C. households are completely solar-powered shouldn't hold their breath. A new report from University of Victoria researchers says while it's technically feasible, right now at least, we're not even close to a practical application. What does being off the grid look like to you? If not a getaway into the great outdoors without any cell service, it may mean finding a way to reduce your carbon footprint right at home. And as its popularity grows, so too does the number of people in BC's capital considering complete electrical self-sufficiency through solar power. I actually get that phone call about four times a day. But cutting yourself off from hydro and hefty bills isn't so easy, according to new research from the University of Victoria. In certain parts of BC, we just don't have a great climate for solar PV. Um, if we lived in California, if we lived in Phoenix, there's a better opportunity to do that. Researchers crunch some numbers to show just how much cloudy days cast a shadow on the idea. Looking at an average house in Victoria, researchers say it could take a 12 kilowatt solar panel system. But to be sufficient year round, they say the home would also need a battery system requiring as much storage as 131 Tesla power walls, which retail at almost $9,000 each. We live in a northern latitude and we need to educate our energy system based upon our resources. Bryson Robertson says it also raises an important question, at least in B.C., where close to 95% of the electricity generated through the grid is green. Is there much value in doing that? You know, we're not really offsetting many greenhouse gases. Now, if we contrast that with Alberta, where a lot of their generation is historically from coal and natural gas, you would be offsetting a large amount of greenhouse gas emissions. Experts say the message needs to be made clear that solar panels are very feasible in BC, so long as those in urban areas don't completely pull the plug. You could stay on the grid, but also go solar as well and blend that power in. Neetu Garcha, Global News, Victoria. Washington, D.C. and the troubled Trump White House in an uproar once again tonight with the news that Trump's former national security advisor has flipped. Michael Flynn today pleaded guilty to lying to the FBI and will reportedly testify about high-level Trump campaign contact with Russia. No handcuffs for Michael Flynn. He surrendered and walked into the federal courthouse in Washington to plead guilty to a single charge, lying to the FBI, moving the special counsel investigation into the White House and raising new questions about top aide Jared Kushner. Flynn now admits that four days into his job as White House National Security Advisor, he denied having two separate contacts back in December with Russia's ambassador to the U.S., Sergei Kislyak, when in fact he did. The first, December 22nd, someone described in court documents as a very senior member of the presidential transition team, directed Flynn to urge foreign governments to oppose a U.N. Security Council resolution against Israel. Flynn has now admitted that he contacted Kislyak and urged Russia to oppose it. Tonight, sources familiar with the matter say that very senior official was Jared Kushner, the president's son-in-law. Today's plea is an important turning point in the Russia investigation. Flynn, a former Trump insider, is now obligated to tell anything he knows about potential collusion with the Russians. The detail in the guilty plea shows he's already cooperating with Mueller's prosecutors, and there's a big incentive for him to keep talking. He's looking at five years in jail if he's not completely truthful and cooperative. Second, if he fails to meet the requirements of the plea agreement, uh, the prosecutors can pull that agreement and they can charge him with other crimes. In a statement, Flynn says his plea is, quote, in the best interests of my family and of our country. He says, I recognize that the actions I acknowledged in court today were wrong, and through my faith in God, I'm working to set things right. 
The first official engagement today for the newly engaged Prince Harry and Meghan Markle. The couple turned out on this World AIDS Day for a visit to a charity AIDS fair in the central English city of Nottingham. After shaking hands and chatting with fans during a walkabout, they spoke with HIV activists and several people living with the disease. The royal couple is kicking off several months of travel as Marco learns more about the country she will soon call home. Canada 150 is coming to a close, and that means it's a wrap on the Participation 150 playlist. Half of Canadians say they're now more physically active, and more than 90% of participants say they'll stay active even after the program ends. The top activities across the country, walking, housework, fitness activities, dog walking, and gardening made up the top five. But in true Canadian fashion, a lot of people were checking off activity number 132, snow shoveling in September. Oh, it was a huge success. We had about 40% of Canadians said that they knew about the playlist, and about almost half of that, 20%, said they participated. But more importantly, they said that it got them more physically active. And they said that they're going to continue this new level of physical activity throughout their lives. So we really did inspire a nation to get active. Now, what about axe throwing? I was just going to ask. That was on top of our list. It was one of my Every favorites. Every night we saw that on the 11. I've never done it before, but sure, <laughs> they, they do make it look like a lot of fun, make right? Make it look easy, too. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, someone's had a pretty busy week on the road a lot. Up in Whistler tonight, Christy. Mm-hmm. What's going on up there? Well, it's the Festival of Trees up here at the Four Seasons Hotel, you two. Thanks so much. Uh, Yes, so, you know, the Festival of Trees has been going on for many years in Vancouver, but it's now spread across B.C. This is the second year in here in Whistler, and it's a fantastic event. Uh, It gives to the B.C. Children's Hospital uh, Foundation, the hospital, and the way it works is local businesses and individuals sponsor a tree. That money goes to the hospital, and then they go to a lot of effort to decorate these trees and create this beautiful beautiful holiday uh, uh, feel in the hotel lobbies and allows for people in the community to enjoy it right throughout the holiday season. We'll have more on that in a second, but we do need to talk about this rain. Haven't we had enough of it? It has been a soggy November. One last day of rain, everyone. We have uh, one more wave to get through. It does mean snow for the mountains, which is good news, but then we're still talking about that huge upper level ridge. It is going to strengthen right into Wednesday. It doesn't mean complete sunshine. We will still see some cloud cover, uh, but it does mean dry weather. And the key here is, if you look in that top right corner, it could potentially last right through next weekend into early parts of next week. And as for the snowpack, everyone, well, the freezing level is actually going to drop for the most part. We're not concerned at this point about any major uh, melting. So that's fantastic news. Those of you in the north, you're already starting to see that sunshine tomorrow. Temperatures are certainly going to cool off. And across the south, we are going to still see one unsettled day left with mainly cloudy skies in the interior, flurries for the mountain ranges, and showers all across the south coast. So on and off throughout the day, a high of 7 degrees. But then Sunday is the transition day, and we will see sunshine, dry weather, right, all the way through the next little while. And just a couple birthdays for you. Uh, Ellen Nisbet, Kathleen Dome celebrating 105 years. Sydney Rose, 103. And Maria Furkus, 
a hundred years old and one anniversary for you, Betty and Fernie Foxen. So congratulations to you all. I'm joined now by the marketing and communications uh, manager here at the Four Seasons Hotel, Christine Kim. Thanks so much for having us here. What a spectacular event. Why do you guys give back to a community like this? Uh, so, you know, as you know, children are our future, and supporting BC Children's Hospital is a cause very close to our hearts. We support a lot of organizations, but we thought, what more can we do? So, as you mentioned, this is our second annual, and uh, we're, we're just having so much fun here today. Our lobby is sparkling, the, res- uh, the village stroll is sparkling, and it is such a privilege to assign such an important and meaningful message to an evening like this that kicks off the holiday season. So the community can also take part in it in this. When they come they and have a look at the trees, they can by donation vote for the trees. Is that right? Yes, absolutely. So we invite community people, uh, guests to come through, see the amazing trees that uh, people have decorated, different businesses locally here, and vote and support um, the BC Children's Hospital. Thank you so much, Christine, for having us here and uh, for supporting BC Children's Hospital. It is uh, near and dear to uh, the BC uh, Global BC News uh, heart as well. So thank you so much. Um, come check it out all the way through until January 8th. I'll throw it back to you guys now. And yes, looking forward to one last day of rain, that's for sure. All right. Thank you, Christy. Yeah, hopefully December's a little kinder on us. All right. Uh, back to that little dog, Buttermilk the Beagle, had been brought into an animal shelter in Virginia and decided... She was going to bust out of the joint. Yeah, that's right. The shelter posting this video on Facebook of Buttermilk actually climbing the wall of her cage in an attempt to get out. She ends up perched, mm-hmm. as you can see at the top, <laughs> upon realizing she's been caught in the act. <laughs> when she turns to escape, come. What are you doing? You silly girl. We don't do that. No, we don't do that, huh? The shelter says Buttermilk was given a checkup and wasn't hurt during her attempt to escape. She had actually been adopted before the video was shot and was waiting for her new owners to pick her up. Who could blame Buttermilk? She was ready to go. Absolutely. Yeah, no more waiting around. It was time. (laughs) Very cute. So cute. All right, we all know that a firefighter's job is racing to help in times of emergency. But in Georgia, a firehouse came to the rescue of a family and a special little boy who were in crisis, and it had nothing to do with a fire. In Waycross, Georgia, there was a family in crisis last week. Holden Bridges, who has autism, was about to celebrate his seventh birthday at his church. All his classmates were invited. Holden came home that day excited that that's all they could talk about was coming to his party. But on the big day... They didn't come. Yeah, they didn't come. He'd say, well, you know, they're just um, going out to probably purchase a gift for me or they'll be here in a minute. And we, we knew. His parents were distraught. Rick ran home to get the phone he'd forgotten. On the way, he spotted and chased down a fire truck. I'm driving behind the fire truck, flashing my lights, trying to get him to pull over. He explained the situation to Lieutenant Andrew McCarthy, who decided it was a true emergency. Every kid should have a birthday. Every kid every year should have a birthday. He and Fireman Tyler McBee raced to the scene after a quick shopping spree. And they brought along some friends. A sheriff's deputy, EMTs, Ware County's first responders out in full force to bring the fun. 
I just couldn't believe everything they were doing for my baby. He was holding me tight and he whispered in my ear, said, Daddy, this is the best birthday ever. All right. Holden says he now wants to be a firefighter, a police officer, and an EMT. Me and Drew's going to do our best to keep him on the fire side because that's the greatest job in the world. <laughs> it's a job where coming to the rescue can leave a family forever grateful. Can you smell what the Brock is oh, cooking? Oh, I knew there was one coming. <laughs> there you go. Keep them coming. All right. I'm going to be thinking for the okay, next you, three you, minutes. You work on some. Okay, here we go. Um, last year, the uh, Canucks travels were extremely Griswold. This year, their road has a lot of yellow bricks. Their uh, six-gamer came to an end last night in Nashville. 5-3 win. The trip was memorable for all kinds of reasons. They beat both Stanley Cup finalists from last year on this road trip, Pittsburgh and the Predators. Uh, of course, they saw the sad forced retirement of Derek Dorsett. Uh, they observed Louis Erickson no longer getting his money for nothing. And the Sedins begin to reassert themselves in this road trip, especially on the score sheet, including Daniel getting his 1,000th point. I know the uh, cable was acting up in some households last night. To a lot of people, the uh, Daniel Sedin 1,000th point goal looked like a Jackson Pollock painting. But actually, this is what it looked like if you didn't see it. 87th player all time to get 1,000 points, and I'm sure they'll honor him tomorrow before the Maple Leafs game at Rogers Arena. Okay, so Brock Besser set up that milestone goal. He had six goals in the road trip in what was, as we said earlier, a November to remember. He was named the NHL Rookie of the Month today, and if you look at the whole league in November, not just rookies, the whole league, Besser outscored everyone. It's a bit of an odd list, though, guys you wouldn't expect there. You don't see the usual names, but Brock Besser's 11 goals was more than anybody else. There's another good rookie there for Chicago, Alex DeBrincat. He was a big scorer in the OHL, but Besser had 11. Can Tiger bounce back? Well... His top is made out of rubber and his bottom is made out of the spring. And Tigger on the first hole at the Hero Challenge puts it relatively close, close enough for Bird. And then on the ninth hole, this is for Eagle. It appears so far that Tiger is back with a much better back. He uh, is at 7 under par, fifth place in his tournament, and actually his, his tournament, Charlie Hoffman leads at 12 under par. So tomorrow at BC Place, the best high school football teams in the province from grade 8 on up will play for their respective titles in the Subway Bowl. The uh, first game is a grade 8 championship. It'll be at 9 o'clock. The day will finish at 7 p.m. Triple-A final between Terry Fox and New Westminster. The New Westminster Hayaks really have built themselves over the years into a powerhouse. It's taken a little longer than they'd hoped, but after reviving the New Westminster secondary football program 15 years ago, the Hayeks are set to make their first appearance in the championship game Saturday against Terry Fox. We've been knocking on the door many times. This, this was our sixth time in the semifinals, and we were finally able to get through to the big game, so we're pretty excited. Farhan Lalji has been in charge of the program the entire 15 years. Even though the Hayeks have yet to win a provincial championship, they have been a contender almost from day one. And from the outset, the program's been built on a foundation of integrity on and off the field. We have like an acronym, SHARP, which is like what we stand for is like selflessness, hard work, accountability, respect, passion, passion, pride, perseverance. We try to represent that every day in our lives through football and in like community 
everywhere. I think we make a real commitment to building the the full student athlete. You spend a lot of time on the kids academically and mentorship and, and in the community and in the classroom. So those are the things we want it to stand for, and I think we're getting there. The Hayaks are always among the leaders in sending their top players to the next level, be it Canadian or U.S. colleges. This year, they'll likely have five more kids out of a roster of 30 who will continue their football careers. We, we always tell them that if they play here, uh, you're always going to get seen. You're always going to get noticed. There won't be a lack of opportunities. We've had collegiate coaches coming in here seemingly daily the last few weeks, and there's a lot of interest in the kids in our program, so it's nice. The Hayaks are a perfect 11-0 against BC schools this year. They're just one win away from that dream ending. But win or lose, these players take away much more in their time as a member of the Hayaks. We really, going back to the brotherhood thing, we made, made a brotherhood. Like Some of these guys on this team are probably going to be my friends for the rest of my life, so that's, that's really it. Kickoff in the championship game is set for 7 o'clock Saturday night at BC Place. Very delayed global sports. Well, they drew for the groups today for next year's uh, World Cup. Uh, you may think, oh, well, Russia has an easy group. Actually, Russia is ranked 65th in the world. So this is not an easy group. Egypt or Uruguay could take them out. Uh, Portugal and Spain headline group B. Top two in each group move on to the knockout stage. They should make it through. Um, that one, yeah, France, uh, Denmark. Well, that, any number of teams could join mm -hmm. France from Group C. There really isn't a group of death. Come on, Iceland. That's who I want to yeah. see get through to the next round is Iceland. Uh, Argentina should win Group D, you would think. Group E, Brazil, the best of that bunch. Switzerland, Costa Rica, Serbia. Any one of those three could join them. This, I guess, is kind of a group of death. Germany, Mexico, and Sweden. And South Korea is no pushover either. There is uh, Belgium and England in Group G. You would think they would get through that one. But England, as we know, has a tendency to stub its toe in the World Cup. Poland is a highly ranked oh, team. Yes, they're they a top are. 10 team, Andrua. And uh, they're the one you're cheering for, right? Yes, it's Andrua. All the way this year. <laughs> right to the top. Yeah. <laughs> All right, you're coming back with uh, Satellite I'm not even going to leave the deck. No, stay right here. Stay right here. But first, here's Kasia Badurka with five things you can do this weekend. Thanks. The holiday events are really ramping up, including the Highlight Festival in North Vancouver, lighting up Park and Tilford Gardens tonight. There are over 100,000 lights on three acres of festive beauty, and every Friday night this month, they host family nights with live entertainment, and you can take a selfie with Santa. Hashtag Highlight Festival. Santa will be at Stewart Park in Kelowna on Saturday for the annual Downtown Kelowna Light Up. This free community event offers skating, live entertainment, and activities for folks from 1 to 92. It all begins at 11 a.m. Now, if you'd rather be on the inside, Kitsilano House is hosting its winter market. That's tomorrow with a focus on local and sustainable crafts and food. But it doesn't end there. Expect live music, food trucks, and Santa. How about the famous Bright Nights Christmas train at Stanley Park? Picture three million twinkling lights, breathtaking displays, and live performers along the train route. Now, if you haven't experienced it yet, don't miss the train this year. It's on until early January. Finally, don't miss the Vancouver Santa Claus Parade on Sunday. Pre-parade festivities begin at 10 a.m. just outside the Vancouver Art Gallery. The parade begins at noon. For more on these events, visit globalnews.ca slash five things. 
Here is a look at the conditions on the mountains. Snow has been falling on the South Coast Mountains overnight and through today. A base of 146 centimeters, Whistler Blackcomb. Grouse, a base of 150. Cypress, 156. Sasquatch opens December 15th. Revelstoke and Manning Park both open tomorrow. Powder King enjoying a base of 165 centimeters. Big White, a base of 111 centimeters. Silver Star, about 106. Sun Peaks at 83. And Apex opens December 9th. <laughs> oh, if only that was a oh, little bit missed, shorter. We missed. We missed. Going back in the time machine uh, to the eighties. Toto. Toto. Trying to recall some Toto songs. All right. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you Toto with <laughs> with poultry. Uh, but first, first uh, commercial from IKEA, and then Toto done by poultry. <laughs> choose her boyfriend but you can choose your table choice arriving 16 november Yeah, good luck getting that out of our heads tonight, (laughs) with the chicken too as well. (laughs) Okay, so here's a Christmas commercial. Um, It's a bit sentimental, but you may like it. From Air New Zealand. Here we go. And that's where I met little Nora. Nora was really upset because her favourite bear had been left in Found bear, and that's when his adventure began. Hey, I'm really excited. I get to deliver this precious cargo to Nora all the way in Germany. Today, I feel like I'm content.
I could, nice. That's I could, customer service. It is customer service. I could probably get those chickens together if you guys have any requests. <laughs> that was amazing. I don't. Uh, I don't think I've seen anything quite like that. No, that's a good spot. Let's good see spot. if the chickens can do hip hop. Yeah. I'd like to see that. Yeah. There All you right. go.